This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation, like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Okay, before I get to my next guest, Bob Ford, I want to remind you about a few of our sponsors, starting with our friends over at Squares Golf. Are you like me, always considering new golf equipment, maybe a new driver? Well, I'll tell you what, let me reset your thinking because I discovered Squares Golf Shoes. The patented square toe provides balance, stability, and a wider base for increased connection to the ground, effectively increasing your swing speed by 2.2 miles per hour, an average of 9 yards of distance. Independent tests prove it. That's right. It's proven in science. Go to squares.com. That's S-Q-A-I-R-Z.com and get Squares 30-day money-back guarantee. Use promo code DISTANCE for $20 off. Remember, distance comes from swing speed, and swing speed comes from your connection to the ground. And folks, I wouldn't tell you about it if I didn't experience it for myself. I've never felt more stable in my golf swing, which allows me to swing faster and launch it further. Squares, the distance golf shoe. I also want to give a shout out to another new sponsor, Bionic Gloves. Do what you do better with Bionic Gloves. Whether you're looking to own the golf greens, improve your workouts, or get your hands dirty in the garden, Bionic Gloves has you covered. Designed with a hand specialist, Bionic Gloves feature patented innovations that help improve your grip. The strategically placed anatomical relief pads also prevent calluses and blisters while the web and motion zones allow for greater dexterity and flexibility. Head over to bionicgloves.com to find the perfect glove to up your game. And I want to remind you about our friends over at Zexio. Back in 2001, Zexio Strixon began making clubs for men and women, and they've improved on those clubs every year since. I was fit for a set of Zexio 10 irons by a great fitter on their staff. He got me dialed in, and they feel and perform fantastically. They are by far the best irons I've ever played. They are light. I have picked up nearly 5 miles per hour in swing speed, and they're deadly accurate. Every part of Zexio clubs are made exclusively for Zexio. Like I say, everything is light and balanced. Swing weights are made to give us the highest smash factors. The best part of getting fit for Zexio clubs is hitting it higher and straighter than ever before, changing your game. Zexio clubs are a Golf Digest Hot List Gold winner for 2021. Congratulations to Zexio Ambassador N.B. Park for her five-stroke victory earlier this year at the Kia Classic. It was her 21st victory, and she did it using Zexio 11 Woods and X Irons. Ernie Ells and top instructor Martin Hall are Zexio Ambassadors as well. See why and how Zexio can help improve your game. Go online to ZexioUSA.com. That's X-X-I-O-U-S-A.com and pick which set is right for you. Okay, now back and next on the tee with me is one of the top instructors ever and a living legend in our game, and that's Bob Ford. Bob has been a great player and instructor for over four decades. He grew up in Valley Forge, Pennsylvania, played his college golf at the University of Tampa from 1971 to 1975, and was inducted into their Sports Hall of Fame in 2006. He was also inducted into the allegheny Kiski Valley Sports Hall of Fame in 1996, our good friend Gus Ferrat over on the football side is also a member of that Hall of Fame. 
Bob was inducted into the Western Pennsylvania Sports Hall of Fame in 1998 and the PGA Professional Hall of Fame in 2005. He was the head professional at both Oakmont Country Club and Seminole Golf Club, two of the top courses in the world. As a player, Bob won the Pennsylvania Open three times. He played in three U.S. Opens. He played in 10 PGA Championships. He joined me last September, and I was so honored to have him back then and even more honored to have him for a second time tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Bob, how are you, my friend? Chris, I'm good. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, you uh, caught a little bit of Tom Patrick's, uh, uh, his words with you, which were very nice, and uh, he's, he's a great guy himself. Bob, I know you retired back in June. How you doing with that? Well, Chris, you know, I, I had retired from Oakmont in 16, so uh, really the last, you know, four summers up until now have been, you know, kind of retired summers. So I've had some practice rounds at it, and I'm doing pretty good. I've been doing it, and uh, to, uh, you know, I mean, I'm trying to keep my hands in the game a little bit and uh, and have some time for my family and, and uh, uh, just, you know, just, to, just great to be able to get up and do whatever you want to do. And I know you you left Seminole there, like I say, in June, right after the Walker Cup. And I know that that event uh, holds a, a special place in your heart. Talk about what about the Walker Cup is uh, so meaningful to you. Well, Chris, you know, it was uh, the Walker Cup is one of the great events the USGA runs. And uh, I couldn't have been more happy with how ours turned out. We had, uh, you know, a lot of incredible member support. Uh, attending there in Luis Fernandez, where our co-chairmans uh, then took over for Jack Vardaman, who actually passed away throughout the summer prior, which was really sad. And they did a wonderful job honoring him. But uh, the only time that you get great weather and the greens uh, on the golf course, the condition of the golf course was just extraordinary. Uh, Nelson Caron is our su new superintendent. He did a wonderful job. And, you know, it was just a recipe for success. And, uh, COVID only let us have about 2,500 spectators. So, uh, you know, those that got to be on the property really uh, was really a treat for them. And the USJ did a wonderful job, you know, hosting it with us and, and running the event from their standpoint. They do a great job at those things. And, uh, you know, it was a great time for me to retire. I, I had told Jimmy Dunn two or three years prior that I probably would sign off if he'd let me and after the Walker Cup and, you know, I retired after the 16 Open that Dustin Johnson won at Oakmont, so I thought it was pretty fitting to, you know, go through another USGA event and, and call it quits. So, but, uh, yeah, the Walker Cup was a great memory now for us at Seminole. And, Bob, Nathaniel Crosby was the captain of the U.S. team this year. Played his college golf down there at the University of Miami. He's a 1981 U.S. amateur champion and also obviously one of Bing Crosby's sons. And Bing was a part owner of the Pittsburgh Pirates from 1946 until he passed in 1977. I'm curious, did you get to know Bing and the Crosby family from your years up there at Oakmont? No, Chris, I really didn't. Uh, you know, I started at Oakmont really after college in 75. So Bing was only alive a couple more years. But, uh, you know, I, I've got certainly gotten to know Nathaniel through the years as he was, you know, after he retired from his playing career, which it, you know, he's a wonderful player. Uh, he really got in the golf business. He, he and Tony Pena were pals. They got in that business. Uh, you know, he got in the Tony Pena golf club business with Tony. Then he got in the business with Jack Nicklaus. And uh, so he's been through the golf industry and 
we've been pals uh, through those years. And then when I got to Seminole, I mean, you know, he's he's a character. Nathaniel's a great great guy and uh, meant the world to to the game and to Seminole. And uh, USJ did a great job picking him as our as our uh, captain. You know, during the, the the Walker Cup at his own club, it was really neat, really a cool thing to do. And he did a great job. He won both matches you know, over at Liverpool and at Seminole and uh, just a fun guy. Everybody loves him. Easy going. Uh, he has no airs about him at all. And uh, just a good guy to be around and play golf with. Bob, Seminole has been a course that we've all heard about for years, heard how great it was, but most of us had never seen it, not even on television. But we got our first look at it last year at the TaylorMade Driving for Relief match. And now we get to see a bit of it at the Walker Cup. Why was the timing right over the last year to let the world finally see the fantastic course that you have there? Well, you know, uh, Seminole's run by a czar, and uh, Jimmy Dunn is our current czar. He's got about nine years in as the czar. And, uh, you know, every czar has their own philosophy on Seminole. And, you know, a lot of people continue the philosophy of czars before them. And, uh, you know, Jimmy's kind of his own man, and he, he really felt like we owed it to the game to share Seminole, you know, with, with a championship like the Walker Cup, which is one of the few that we could host at Seminole because the property is so small, but also host it with the world and let, you know, open the doors to the world to see Seminole. And uh, in 2022, we're also going to host the uh, Jack Stevens uh, College Tournament it's going to be aired on the golf channel. And, uh, so Jimmy just feels differently and, uh, he calls shots really doesn't need any, any, you know, he asked for some advice for some of the other guys on the board that, uh, that they meet a couple of times a year, but, uh, virtually he makes the decisions and his decision is to get back to the game. Uh, so he gave back to amateur golf. We have a lot of, uh, as you know, seminal members that are Walker cup players and captains. Uh, throughout our history, and uh, and uh, our, our members uh, embraced it. They loved it. They're so proud. And uh, I mean, there, there's not a member there that felt like we shouldn't do it. And Bob, you've had dozens of assistant pros go on from working for you to being head pros somewhere else, all around the world. That seems like a pretty darn nice legacy to leave to the game. Is that uh, something you look back on and say, you know what? That's probably my greatest achievement. Chris, you know, I, I had a motive. I had, I knew I was, someday I was going to retire, and I needed places to play around the country. And now I've got about <laughs> 54 honorary memberships out there. <laughs> so it's, uh, it, 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 is, it is my legacy. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate um, to have been at two places kind of, you know, even at the same time. So I kind of doubled down on how many guys got out. But. Uh, you know, I was very fortunate that that really the members at Oakmont and Seminole uh, embraced, you know, helping these kids move on. I, I did very little, frankly. You know, I hired the kids and they did the rest and then the members took care of them and made sure they got jobs at places. And, uh, it's you know, it's been a great thrill for our members every time someone, you know, one of our guys gets a job and a great thrill for me as well. I, I'm just uh, kind of been along for the ride. But it's been a great ride. Bob Devin G is the head pro at Oakmont now. He's just the third head pro 
there over the last 69 years. It's kind of like getting the head coaching job with the Steelers. You're probably going to be there for a while. And he's getting ready to host his first USGA event in a couple of weeks when the U.S. Amateurs played there. So what advice did you give to Devin before you handed him the keys a few years ago? <laughs> well, he was giving me advice the last few years, Chris. Uh, he's he's really a breakout professional, and, and, you know, now they're getting ready to have a, his first baby, which I'm so excited for him about. But, you know, Devin and Matt Cahill down at Seminole, it, it was, you know, I was incredibly lucky to get the Oakmont job. I was the assistant under Lou Warsham, and he retired. And, you know, I, I interviewed with five other guys, went through about a year-and-a-half-long process. I, I had the advantage. I was there, and people knew me. And uh, even though I was young, uh, they were willing to give me a chance. And, uh, you know, Devin and Matt are both really good players. Uh, both clubs are kind of demand that from their golf professionals, from the history of, you know, uh, Lou Worsham at Oakmont and before him, Emma Leffler was a great player and a Seminole, obviously, you know, they had, you know, the Masters champion, couple, you know, Claude Harmon and Henry Picard and then Jerry Pittman that I replaced was, he had two, uh, top 10 in the Masters and the Open in the same season. So, uh, they had a history of good players. These two kids happened to come along right at the right time. And uh, they're tremendous golf professionals. I, I couldn't be more proud of them and couldn't be more supportive in the, the choice that the club's made in hiring both of them. Bob, I read that you and your college roommate are serving as co-chairman for the U.S. Amateur. Talk about getting to do something like that with him. Well, Chris, you're on top of your game. Not many people know that. <laughs> Not that it's a secret, but, you know, you know, I've had a lot of nice things bestowed on me through the years, again, because I was at the famous clubs, but it's one of the great honors that I've ever held. Uh, you know, the number one to be a member at Oakmont, and number two for Ed Sachs, our president, and for him to uh, allow me to be the the chairman. And I asked Rod to be my co-chairman because uh, we were college roommates. He's been a member there for 30, 40 years. He's vice president of the club, and just one of the great people in the world, and, and we, we've had so much fun, and uh, we've done very little work because we hired a gal named uh, Laura Seguin, who is uh, Eri Seguin's wife. Eri is the pro at the Vineyards in, in uh, Martha's Vineyard, and he worked at Seminole for us and got that job up at the Vineyards and, and married this wonderful gal who's got a big background in USGA uh, administration of tournaments. and. Uh, we were smart enough to hire her. She, she tells us what to do, and uh, we, we get all the accolades, and she does all the work. So uh, it's, it's been great. The U.S. Amateur has been a blast. Uh, I can't wait. You know, when, I, when we hosted it in 03, it was one of the most fun events that all of us, uh, you know, had in our, in our tenure there at Oakmont, whether you're a member or a staff or whatever. It's just really fun, and uh, we're excited to do it. And to be the co-chairman of it, it's a real thrill and a real honor for me. Bob, I, I read a story about Lee Trevino up there at Oakmont. I want to get your thoughts. Is, is it true or is it just an, an urban legend? But I read the story that he would offer any comers, whether it's fellow tour players or, or members there at, at Oakmont, that he would play his own ball from the back tee, and his, his opponent would just have to bring a putter because, 
Trevino would concede that the ball was on the green every time in regulation. But the caveat was that Trevino could place the ball anywhere on the green that he wanted, and his opponent had to putt from there. Lowest score obviously winning the hole. Legend has it, Trevino never lost. Is that true? Did that happen? No, Chris, no. I, you're, you're catching me off guard here. I've never heard that story. I will tell you, though, that we have talked about a story similar to that. No, it's never been done. But, you know, I've told people that, that you know, you could hit 18 greens at Oakmont and not shoot par. If you, you know, let us put the ball on the green in a certain spot. So uh, it's interesting. I've never heard that said about Lee. Really, the quote that, that we credit Lee with that we have in some of our documents is, uh, you know, the fact that we can, you could play the Open next week at Oakmont. Uh, they're ready. U.S. Open ready, you know, day in and day out, you know, 125 days a year. So, but no, I never heard that story. It's interesting. But he's right, and I, and I bet he could have beat him. <laughs> Bob, going back to your playing career, <clears throat> pardon me, you qualified to play in three U.S. Opens, including the 83 Open there at Oakmont. And when I look back at the stories about you and that week, you got to play practice rounds with Jack Nicklaus, Tom Weiskopf, Ed Sneed, Arnold Palmer, Ben Crenshaw, Miller Barber, and Jay Siegel. Then if you look at who you got paired with over the weekend, because you made the cut, you're playing with Hubert Green, Lou Graham, Bob Gilder. And you had to be, I'm guessing, 29 or 30 at that time. And here you are playing with arguably some of the greatest players to ever pick up a golf club. You intimidated at that point or are you used to playing with guys at that level? Petrified. Absolutely petrified. Are you kidding? No, I was, uh, you know, I was way over my skis. I, I, I did qualify in 1980 to play in the open at Baldestraw that Jack beat Aoki in. And I played in the PGA, I think, in 81. So I had a couple under my belt. And uh, I will tell you, though, I, I, uh, I played with Jack Nicholas the weekend before, before the week. It wasn't the exact week. You know, he comes about, you know, 10 days early to play with his sons, and we got to play. And, and uh, you know, I asked him, I said, would you play with me during the week, a practice round? And he said, yeah, let's play the, the Wednesday, and I'll, I'll get the game. And he got Weisskopf and Sneed to play with us. And with Arnold, you know, Arnold was always just incredibly gracious to me and said, you know, come on, we'll play a practice round. And we set up Tuesday. Cute story about that day. <clears throat> I had caddied for Ben Crenshaw the the uh, the fall prior in Japan of all places. They uh, Roger Cleveland got Bob Ross and I from Baltimore organized to go down there to a club that his wife's family owned and teach for two weeks. We took our wives, paid all our expenses, we talked for a couple weeks, and they had a tournament there called the Benson and Hedges. You wouldn't remember this because it was back in '82, I guess. It was Tony Jacklin versus Ben Crenshaw, four rounds in four days on four different continents. <clears throat> wow. They were obviously flying around, but they flew them into this club we were teaching at. And I got to caddy for Crenshaw, and Bob Roth caddied for Tony Jacklin. I don't know, they both shot 71 or 72, but, uh, you know, it was uh, really my first time to spend some time with Ben. And I, I don't know how it came about, but I said, you know, I happen to qualify for the Open at Oakmont next summer. Would you play a practice round with me? He said, yeah, I'd love to. 
So I called him in the track qualified and said, Ben, you know, I actually made it to the qualifier. Can you play on a Tuesday? And he said, yeah, that'd be great. So I kind of grew up padding a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit for Jay Siegel. And uh, Jay stayed at my house in 81 when he won the Penn State Amateur at Oakmont. So we were pals. And uh, we were, you know, I added him to the to the group. So we had Arnold and Jay and then Crenshaw. And it comes the day of the of the event on that Tuesday, and uh, Ben says, uh, "We're all set. I got Miller Barber to play with us." I'm like, "Oh, oh no, oh God, I got Jay Siegel and Arnold Palmer." And he said, "Well, we got five. And I said, "He said, do you think they'll let us play?" I said, "Oh my God, I I, I don't know, Ben. I kind of doubt it. But let me let me talk to T.J. Boatwright. He was kind of running the championship, and I." said, PJ, I'm in a bind here. You know, I got these guys, you know, do you think think we can play? And he said, is Arnold going to play? I said, yeah. He said, why don't you just go ahead and play five? So because we were playing with the king at Oakmont, we got <laughs> to play five ball. And uh, that's, how, that's how that all came down. But uh, the point of the story is, you know, after that Tuesday and Wednesday playing with those superstars, those, you know, my heroes, Come Thursday, I wasn't so nervous. I mean, I was really nervous Tuesday and Wednesday, and uh, I wasn't really nervous come Thursday. And I was paired with two of my buddies, Steve Benson and Jim Albus, who were both club pros that we all played on a cup team match in 81 down at Turnbury in Miami. And so we were pals, and it was just like going out there with my buddies. And I just wasn't that nervous. And I just, you know, I played kind of like I normally play at Oakmont. Uh, you know, because it's my home course, and uh, just got lucky enough to, you know, to uh, make the cut and play the weekend, and you know, obviously, just one of the great shows in my career. Bob, just a couple more before I let you go, and I also read that you played a round of golf with Ralph Terry, Bill Mazeroski, and Bob Friend, the three main guys involved in the 1960 Pirates' great World Series victory over the Yankees, with obviously Maz hitting the the home run to walk it off against Ralph Terry in the ninth inning. I'm curious, what was the conversation like during that round? <laughs> well, I don't know that I remember it much, but I mean, those were, you know, I was a Philadelphia boy, as you know, and a Philly fan, you know, in 1960. So I re- really wasn't a pirate fan, but my folks moved back to Pittsburgh. Thank God. It's what opened all the doors for me in my career. And, uh, you know, I obviously became a Pirate and a Steelers fan very quickly and a, and a, and a Penguin fan. And, uh, you know, to get to play with those three legends uh, at Oakmont, Bob Friend was a member at Oakmont, and he was my golf chairman. And his son, Bobby, you know, kind of raised him since he was 10 and became a great player, lost in the uh, in a playoff in the Canadian Open to Billy Andre, but he was a great player himself. And... Uh, you know, Maz is just a great guy and gave so much back to the city, as Bob did. And uh, and Ralph Terry, as you know, is just one of the great guys in the world. Just couldn't be a better guy. I think I think he actually won on a Champions Tour. And he was a great friend of uh, of Dennis Walters, who was a paraplegic trick shot artist, who's become one of my best friends down on Jupiter. We spend you know lots of time together and. Uh, he just raised about Ralph, and uh, those three guys couldn't be couldn't be three better guys, and, and we just had a ball. 
Yeah, I'm looking forward. Dennis Walters is going to join me on the show in a few weeks. So very excited about that conversation, too. That's Bob, great. before I let you go, let our listeners know. I can't I can't imagine you're done with the game of golf. What's next for you? Well, Chris, you know, uh I I I helped I do some consulting with, with Golf Business Network. It's called GBN and Patrick Seether owns it and is the president of it. And we do some searches uh for private clubs for the GMs, the superintendents and the and the directors of golf. And that keeps me kind of busy. And you know that I'm the starter on the first piece of the U.S. Open, which is a lot of fun. And uh play a lot of golf, uh, host a lot of pals uh, at Oakmont. And uh I'll do some of that at Seminole. And, uh you know, just spending time with my family and enjoying life, really. not Nothing too exciting. But I know you got Tom Percher coming up on your show. And I, he, he won't remember this. Because he's, you know, just one of the great tour players of all time. You know, he always won the prettiest swing in the, you know, in all the Golf Digest surveys and whatnot. But we were paired together in the final round of the U.S. Open at uh, Olympic uh, Oakland Hills in '96 in Detroit, and uh, another great memory for me to uh, play the weekend at Oakland Hills. And uh, just one of the great, great guys. His brother Paul was a club professional and a good buddy of mine. And give him my regards. He's uh, really one of the great guys in the world and uh, just loved his golf swing. I'll certainly pass that along. I'm sure he's uh, he's in the queue, so he'll be joining me next. I'm sure he heard it, but we'll touch on that as well. Well, Bob, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night to come back and be a part of the show. It's always a huge thrill when you're uh, – when you're on with me, I hope I get the privilege of getting you back on the show again soon. Chris, you're one of the best. Uh, anytime, buddy. I appreciate you. Same here. Take care. Stay safe, Mr. Ford. All the best to you and your family. I look forward to catching up with you, like I say, not too long from now. All right, buddy. Take care. That is the great Bob Ford, folks. Boy, it just doesn't get much better than that. What a wonderful man. You know, Tom Patrick at the top of the show talked about what a great person Bob Ford is. He is uh just as genuine and as nice and as good to people as you can imagine. Uh, he has been very, very nice to me. We've had a, a couple of really great conversations, not just on the air, but off the air as well. So uh, I'm very honored that he came back and was a part of the show again tonight. I look forward to catching up with him, hopefully, like I say, real soon. This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.